Welcome to the Political Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Pethokoukas of the American Enterprise Institute. Each week, I feature a lively conversation with experts on some of the most important economic and policy questions of our time. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider rating and reviewing it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Ratings and reviews really help with the podcast visibility, and I always appreciate the feedback. Thanks, and on to the show. The coronavirus pandemic has become a public health crisis for the United States and the world. It also poses a serious economic challenge. What is to be done? I'll be discussing that today with Stan Voyer. Stan is a resident scholar here at AEI, where he specializes in political economy and public finance. Recently, he and economist Stephen Hamilton recommended a list of public policies that could mitigate the crisis. Stan, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, Jim, in these desperate times. Uh, you and Steve Hamilton, uh, an economics professor at George Washington University, just wrote a piece for The Bulwark titled, A Recession is a Public Health Necessity. Here's how to make it short and sharp. And in that piece, the, the both of you write, the key thing to grasp is that this will be no normal recession. Economic textbooks don't cover how to deal with the fallout from a global pandemic. So how is dealing with the COVID-19 downturn, which are probably already in, different than sort of the traditional, I don't know, Keynesian, maybe you want to call it that, approach to dealing with recessions? So the way um, sort of mainstream quasi-Keynesian economics thinks about uh, downturns is usually there's a shortfall of aggregate demand, right? And so the, the policy responses that follow from that are what, are what you usually see. It's a fiscal stimulus. Uh, so that people and businesses have more uh, cash to spend and uh, cuts in interest rates, right? Where the idea is that the cuts in interest rates uh, will prop up uh, uh, home prices and uh, will make certain investments more attractive. And so, you know, the combination of the two leads to, to more spending and that way we can get back to full employment and uh, full use of all of our productive resources. Um, it's, it's to get the economy moving as fast go. as yeah, possible. That's right. That's right. Whereas now, obviously, we're in a very different situation because we are going out of our way to shut down entire industries. Uh, and the last thing we need is to prop up demand for those industries, right? We have mayors and governors shutting down schools and bars and restaurants and theaters. And so what we and so it makes very limited sense to say, okay, in response, we're going to prop up demand for those uh, for those goods and services. But in a sense, the drop in demand and the drop in uh, trade of those goods and services is exactly what we're what we're after. And so it's in that part, sense, it's part of it's really part as you as you said in the title, it's part of the of the public health response is that we right. we don't want people getting a check in the mail and then trying to find an open mall and and shopping. That's right. That's right. So. What should we be doing then? Uh, because clearly there's a lot of plans out there. So obviously there's a lot of smart people thinking about doing something on the economic side other than just telling people to, to, to hunker down their homes. So what should we be doing? Yeah, so it's going to be difficult to, to keep GDP from dropping, right? Because there's just a bunch of products and services that we don't want produced and we don't want delivered. Instead, what we need to do, assuming that we'll get the epidemic under control in the next uh, few months or so, uh, what we should do is make sure that households and businesses can uh, can bridge that period without uh, running into all kinds of uh, avoidable problems. So on the household side, obviously, we need to make sure that people can 
uh, feed themselves and their families, that they can pay their bills, that they can pay their rent or their mortgage. Um, and so we need to we need to assist households that have, that have lost their jobs because, they, for example, because they work in in industries uh, that have been shut down or whose activities have been uh, restricted dramatically uh, because of the epidemic. On the business side, right, we have again lots of businesses in in pretty major industries. Remember, there's about as many people who work in restaurants and food preparation uh, as as in all of manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not talking like minor like little uh, industries on the side here. We have to make sure that those businesses, because a lot of them are otherwise completely viable, and we can't expect businesses to be ready for a complete months-long shutdown. Well, so that's we sort of a, sure that, a good yeah. point. This isn't a thing where we, we, we need to sort of, a recession is kind of a cleansing mechanism to get, you know, that kind of gets rid of all the weak businesses and then all that, then their, their labor and capital can be redeployed in, in a more efficient manner. That's, that's sort of, it's this exactly, is about creative exactly. destruction. Exactly. It's not creative destruction. It's in fact, it's simply destruction. And so if you let all those businesses disappear, what you do is you, first of all, you destroy all the sort of firm specific human capital and knowledge and uh, products and services maybe. Um, and so that, that in and of itself is bad. Then secondly, uh, you uh, create a whole class of entrepreneurs who have uh, debt overhang, whose, uh, whose life savings in many cases will be, will have disappeared. And so they won't be able to just, you know, go back three months from now and start a new firm. Um, and so we, we will end up um, with a situation where you have debt overhang, you have a lot of destruction of firm specific human capital and so people once the uh crisis is over will not be able to go back to those firms and work and buy their goods and services and instead will will really extend the impact of the epidemic uh by destroying those those sectors instead of making sure that they they survive and uh are you know uh basically in hibernation until uh, we think it's wise to once again use their goods and services, which is, I think, what we should do, right? And that way they can uh, be up and running again uh, as soon as possible. And we have a short sort of V-shaped downturn instead of a long, protracted, uh, debt-ridden downturn like the one we had after the financial crisis. Right. All right, well, let's, let's just focus a second on it. We'll, we'll do both and uh, we'll, we'll start with the individuals. In, in, the, uh, in the essay, how do you want to help know individual americans who 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 do you want to help and how do you want to help them so ideally you would want to you would want to help the people who um are suddenly facing uh, liquidity problems because they've lost their job and they can't pay their rent they can't pay their mortgage they can't buy food uh those kinds of things right so that's a combination of 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 two characteristics basically right so it's people who do not have a ton of savings or relatively uh sort of lower net worth individuals and it is people who who had a really sudden shock to their uh to their income flows um obviously it's very difficult to target and so uh, a lot of the proposals we're seeing now uh are are broader than this right so they basically consist of sending checks to, to everyone now that's understandable that's easier to implement but it does create the following problem which is that a lot of people who receive the checks don't need them and a lot of people who uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the people who've lost their jobs will, will not receive enough money to make it through this period of hardship uh, unscathed. And so I, I think we should try to, to the extent that we can, 
target more money at the people who need it the most because they're suddenly out of a job for, for no fault but, of their own. But are you assuming that most of these proposals seem to assume that there's not a fiscal constraint anytime soon? So just cut checks to everybody and we'll worry about and, and if people who we think don't deserve the money get money, don't get money, we'll we'll tax it back later. Uh, but they don't seem to be concerned that we we only have a limited pool of funds, so we have to be smart about how we target it. I mean, but they, I mean, they obviously they they are right because they're they're sending. Uh, it's not like we're making infinite uh, funds available to everyone because I think we all realize that there are in fact limited resources we have, and we, uh, you know, and and so we we have to make choices. We also have to make choices, not just. Um, out of concerns over fiscal sustainability or, or inflation, but just because there's only so much that the uh, that the political class and the sort of administrative state can handle all at once, and so I, I do think we're we're constrained in in at least those senses. It's, it seems that one of the um, uh, and as and as we're uh, doing this, we're doing this on uh, March uh, 18. I think one of the people they're still trying to figure out. Sending checks seems to be the the idea that there's talk about a payroll tax cut. Now it really seems to be about sending checks to individuals. Yeah. So, I think the administration, you know, you the administration do- though, has talked about maybe trying to limit it, not the, not maybe not the super rich, kind of gauge it by family size. Again, that you're adding levels of complexity. So ideally, then, how would you target it, and how much would people get? Well, I, I think so. One thing I, I do want to say is I think it's it's progress that we're no longer really talking about a, a, an employee side payroll tax cut, because that is really, even though that is somewhat targeted, but it targets exactly the wrong people, right? Because payroll taxes, of course, are paid by people who are in fact employed, uh, you know, basically in proportion to their, to, their, to their wage income. And so the people who've lost their jobs or whose hours have gotten cut, uh, they would specifically be the people who would not benefit from a payroll tax cut. Um, and so that's not I, 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 that, I, that I thought was incredibly unhelpful. I'm glad we're moving away from that. So what I would do instead, and, and so this is what we write about in, in, in the article you mentioned. We have a, a one page plan that's on the AI website that I would recommend people look at. Oh, yeah. What I would recommend is we try to, uh, for, for lack of a better word, prop up the businesses in these, in these industries that are under tremendous pressure and basically pay them to keep their workers on their payroll. Right, so we we talk about a plan where businesses could basically get uh, federally backed loans uh, to make up for their revenue shortfalls. I think for 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 a reasonably short period of time, that's that's doable. I don't think it would cost as I don't think it would be qualitatively different in terms of cost from sending everyone a thousand dollars. And so businesses would get these loans, and then if they keep their payroll up, they would at the end of the uh, the crisis basically um, be reimbursed by the federal government for their uh, for for their expenses during this period. Um, of course, that's you know very dramatic measure, but I think this is perhaps the easiest way to target uh, the workers who need support the most. So ideally, we would people would not be getting checks in the mail. They would be they would just be they would keep they would still be paid by their company. And even, yeah, I mean, even, obviously, even, can... even if they're at home. Yeah, obviously. I mean, we combine. We, we I think it'd be good to combine various initiatives. For example, I think it's also important for the federal government to send money to state and local governments. Right. Uh, they are often a lot of states have, have explicit balanced budget constraints. Uh, their fiscal year often ends in the middle of the year, and so 
uh, those places also need money. So I'm certainly not saying this should be the only thing we do, but I think it is a key component. It's a good way to get money to the places that need it most. We can use uh, businesses, uh, businesses as usual relationships with, uh, uh, with lenders uh, to get the money out, right? We have a you know, large banking system with offices everywhere. And, you know, people are used to dealing with uh, small and medium-sized businesses. So administratively, I think it's, uh, it's easier than some of the alternatives people have in mind. And I think it will help get the money to the right place. Um, how is your plan uh, about kind of funneling money to businesses different than sort of the, uh, the, the uh, Zuckman-Paketti plan uh, which they call their payer of last resorts, which I think is a plan where basically businesses would, I guess, try to keep paying workers, uh, but they would, uh, but they would, they would report to the government, you know, you know, the differences between you know, income, revenue, and expenses, and they would, and they would get a check from the government. It's not, and it sounded like just a check from the government. It didn't sound like a loan from the government. Are you familiar with their plan at all? A little bit. I, I think the the spirit is somewhat similar. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think the details are necessarily what, what matters here. I think the, 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 the most important part is to make sure the money gets to the people who need it the most right. and to keep, uh, and to keep, to keep business in place. So the, the, you know, the, I, I, I mean, the, 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 the questions I think on which we, we differ are simply implementation questions. And I don't think that that is what, what should, uh, what we should be worried about uh, at this point, right? Every every plan is going to have various ways in which you can implement it. So, in addition to the to the Piketty and Zuckman uh, plan, which you know basically picks up the uh, the drop in in revenue uh, like ours does, there is also a proposal by Senator Collins, Maine, which uh, which picks up um, lost revenue for for businesses. Their mechanism is in its in the current version of the proposal is instead of uh, giving firms tax credits once they have demonstrated that they kept that they kept their payroll up, it is just to forgive the loans, right? And so the loans would be uh, even more explicitly federally backed. And you know, you can implement these things in 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 different ways. But I think the basic idea is a good one. It's I think it's interesting to see how uh, people how the sort of across the political spectrum you see people making uh, making the case for this in a way that I don't think uh, you would have expected uh, a few years ago. And the, we, same we, goes, the same goes with the checks, of course, where you right. also have people on both left and right who are very focused on that. Uh, I just think that they are uh, not entirely correct in their analysis. of. This uh, and are these businesses of all sizes? Well, so in the Collinsville, there is stock of small and medium sized businesses. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, the, many large businesses have, much easier access to to to, to credit to credit markets uh, even now than than smaller businesses do, um, and so you you know you obviously you have to you have to trade off the local feasibility um, uh, equity concerns. Uh, I think on the once you get the very large businesses, there are issues too with uh, overseas operations that are probably less relevant on the on the restaurant size. On the restaurant, on the restaurant side, um, but yeah, I, I mean, well, it, I mean, for instance, the, I mean, the airline, I don't think it should be only mom and pop shops, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. the airline industry, for instance, uh, is maybe uh, uh, has gotten the most attention for wanting, you know, a bailout. They wanted 
loans, but they also, I think they also wanted actual, you know, cash grants. So Stan, how is what you, you've described different than, you know, a bailout? So I think the, the industry specific uh, programs that the, that are now circulating uh, on the Hill, I think that the White House is attracted to too, are, are, are different in the sense that they are very focused on politically connected, heavily regulated industries that are just more used to, to asking for support. To the, to the airlines, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, uh, that the casino industry, which is in, where obviously the president used to run a casino, two of the Republican Party's largest donors are, are big casino owners. Uh, but those industries should, I don't think, get special treatment. So instead, our plan is open to all industries. I think one way in which you could um, could adjust and make things a little more sector specific is in our plan, there's a cap on, ha- on your net income for the mm-hmm. year. That's basically a percentage of your net income last year or you know, a mix of previous years. And so the idea there is you want to make up for revenue loss, but you don't want to let people just cut their variable inputs. Uh, and run a larger profit than they did last year uh, while they're in the program. And so what you could do is you could cap uh, industries that have been forced, that have been forcibly shut down to, to run a larger relative profit than uh, firms that were not forcibly uh, shut down. So I think based on that kind of underlying logic, I'm, I'm more comfortable with distinguishing between, between industries. I don't think it should just be based on how politically connected uh, certain industries are, or how, you know, obviously a lot of members of Congress fly constantly, right? So to, the, the airline industry probably looms larger for them than it does, uh, than it, than it really should. And I think, but I, but, and so I think in that sense, it's different. Ours is much more general, not focused on these politically connected, uh, I- industries. Um, and, what about and putting conditions on? What about putting conditions on any aid? I know Elizabeth. Well, Warren, our, 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 she would yeah. she would put limits on executive compensation, uh, compensation buybacks. She'd want workers on the boards, uh, higher minimum wages. So that I mean, I'm sure other politicians have other uh, sort of uh, um, strings they would like to attach. What do you think? Yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I, I mean, I obviously understand that people want to attach their favorite policies to whatever emergency package we we pass. I, I don't think that's a that's a great idea. Um, our, the, the conditionality in our proposal is simply that uh, firms should keep up a payroll, not you know, not shift payments to the directly connected third parties. Um, the Collins bill does not does not allow for increases in the pay of uh, uh, of, of high earners within each organization, and it doesn't allow for uh, for increased profits, just like ours does. Um, and so I think those kinds of restrictions are reasonable. Um, I, I don't know that I would directly try to attach uh, all, uh, all kinds of detailed conditions, especially because it's very important to act quickly. I think we're going to see massive employment losses very soon. Um, we've known now for about two months that, uh, that this was going to be a big problem, and the federal government just hasn't really done anything yet. Um, and so I... I I, I, I'm concerned that the more detailed you try to make these plans, the, right. the more delays you'll you'll get. Um, let me run a, just a few ideas that other people have uh, offered, and maybe give you a, a shorter uh, uh, take if you have one on any of them. Um, what about just forgiving student debt? Um, 
Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> student, I don't think there's a super clear correlation between the people who have student debt and the people who are running into, into, into trouble now. I don't think that's a very well targeted program. Of course, the federal government owns all the student debt, basically. Um, so what you could do is if you wanted to get relief to people, you could uh, temporarily stop interest payments. I mean, maybe that's reasonable. I, you know, if we're trying to... Well, similarly, some people have suggested that we if, sort of suspend, if, like suspend mortgages, like you don't have to pay your mortgage as well. Yeah, I mean, the, so the problem with mortgages, of course, is that that money goes to financial institutions that we also want to make sure uh, uh, survive. So that, that, seems, that seems like a risky uh, move to me, a little riskier than the, than the student debt move. Um, uh, at least the student debt target. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why that's the, the, the best way to target direct cash support. I think you would, I would imagine that generally speaking, people who have attended college are in less financial trouble right now than people who have not. And so, you know, the typical reasons for why, uh, forgiving student debt is maybe not the right way, the right thing to do. Uh, apply, but you know, I'm a little more sympathetic toward pausing uh, mm. monthly payments. Uh, how about just uh, um, suspending bankruptcy rules? Um, well, I, I mean, so they could just continue to operate, and we'll worry about we'll worry, <laughs> worry about bankruptcy. Uh, uh, you know. But I don't know. In six that, months. I'm not totally sure what that means. Yeah. That, I mean, if you're not allowed to go into bankruptcy, that just means that you have to continue <laughs> paying what you. Oh, right. The whole point of going into bankruptcy is that you can restructure your situation. In a sense, it, it provides some pause. Uh, would you would you let uh, central banks buy uh, stocks to prop up the stock market? Uh, no, that seems like a that seems like an insane idea. <laughs> are there any other ideas you think are insane <laughs> or just simply don't like? Well, I did. I, so as I as I said earlier, I didn't like the payroll tax uh, uh, cut very much. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, I think the people are uh, very uh, singularly focused on propping up aggregate demand are are just wrong. I think about the problem. I think many of them now recognize that that's not sufficient in this crisis. But there's still a few people I think who are too too focused on that. Um, but I think. You know, all of these economic solutions aside, I think what's very important is that we solve the public health crisis. And what's remarkable is, you know, people are talking about, oh, you know, a trillion dollars here, a trillion dollars there. But there's extremely little focus, I think, so far on, on addressing the public health crisis itself, right? So it's been months now. We, I, don't, I think we have produced zero additional ventilators compared to what we normally would have. Um, we there's still very limited levels of testing, even though uh, weeks ago the executive branch promised that that would be completely up and running. Now and the president told people uh, over a week ago that anyone who wanted a test could get a test. I, I think the reality on the ground is that the only people who get tests are NBA players. The we we have not. I think I don't think we have enough facial masks. I don't think you know all of these medical supply right. issues have not been addressed and. I, you know, people say, oh, you know, that'll be fine. We've built so many ships in World War II, but well, you you know, it's, been, do it's it. been months and we, right. and we haven't done any of it. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. You have to do it. You yeah. have to do it at yeah. some point. Um, uh, I hesitate to ask this question, given what you just said, but what what do you think all this would actually cost? And do, and, uh, and 
what is sort of the constraint, the fiscal constraint? You know, we already started this at a fairly high debt to GDP ratio on historical on a historical basis. So is that a concern at all? And again, how much do you think it's actually going to cost? I mean, it is a concern. But of course, if we let's think about it the, the following way, if 10% of the economy shuts down, that's two trillion a year. Right? And so that's a that you know, that's a lot of people who uh, who miss out on income and who 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 need support. Um, you know, and I, I don't think it's crazy to think that that's kind of the order of magnitude that we're, that we're facing now. Um, there, there's of course, a, 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 so there's a cost, but of course there's also a benefit to keeping businesses afloat from, uh, not going into a protracted period of high unemployment. So I don't know. I think this is an exceptional well, situation. Right. And, and again, you, you really have kind of a bit, I mean, other people, have they, they, they really, I think, want to focus more on the on, on, on workers kind of separate from the business. There have been also suggestions we just expand unemployment insurance. And that's how we kind of cut people checks. But that, again, I think that kind of leaves out the business component. You just don't want these businesses to collapse. Exactly. Uh, so in the, in the, uh, under our plan where the idea would be that businesses just keep a lot of their workers on their payroll, Right, the, the need for unemployment insurance expansion is much less urgent because fewer people will end up unemployed, right? <laughs> if they if the businesses just stay remain afloat and keep keep paying their workers. Uh, and so I think that's that's a big advantage. Um, I think it, it's easier for the for the uh, federal government in, in cooperation with the financial industry to 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 get the money where it has to be. The unemployment insurance program is pretty complicated, it's all joint state federal. Um, I, I, I don't know that expanding the unemployment insurance program is where I would, where I would go also because, you know, once the, the connection with the firm is broken and suddenly it's three months later, uh, even if the firm survives, it's not obvious that the worker would go, just, just, uh, just, go right. Yeah. Just as, uh, and we're almost at the end here, but just as we're sort of talking, I noticed that Ford, GM and Fiat Chrysler are going to shut us production. So in that situation, how does your like sort of how does your how would your plan sort of affect workers at those companies? Well, I mean, if you open it up to those firms, we'd be we'd be supporting those firms to to keep paying their their workers. Um, presumably, what's going to happen instead is that all those people are going to apply for for unemployment insurance. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's better if if Ford and GM are and Chrysler are, are ready to to start producing again. Bring those workers but, right back to their yeah, old job and get right. going. Um, and I, and I don't think that's going to be as easy if they, if they, if they go on unemployment insurance, you know, the one replace all their wages, some of them will move, some of them, will, you know, yeah. in the piece you, 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 spent a few paragraphs. Uh, so I, I would guess that you think it's an important example to see what, uh, how, what Australia is doing to give an example of maybe how other countries are approaching this in a better way. Yeah. So, so this, as a good indication of how fast things have moved, uh, since the piece came out on Saturday, I think a number of other countries have made have made some pretty strong moves. So the the Netherlands and Denmark have both uh, committed to uh, heavily subsidizing firms that lose a significant chunk of their revenue and basically paying the majority of the of the wages of workers at those firms as long as they keep employed. And so we're we're seeing more and more countries, I think, paying attention to to that side of the issue. Spain and France. Uh, in the UK as well, are very focused on providing loans to companies. I think that'll work for a lot of industries. I don't think uh, that'll work for smaller industries in sort of low-margin 
uh, in, in, for smaller firms and low margin industries. Uh, but but I think that they're they're starting they're starting to be a broader focus in a lot of countries on 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 this issue, and I hope the the U.S. federal government will will manage to 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 do the same. And sort of to end up here, so the one thing that you would like American policymakers to keep in mind as they figure out what to do next is what? Well, the one thing I want them to keep in mind is that they need to defeat the virus first, uh, and they need to. Be, be focused on that. Today, we had a press conference at the White House where simple questions like, where are the tests? How many ventilators are there? Uh, could not be answered by the president, the vice president, and the head of their uh, coronavirus task force. And that, I think, is... And, and, uh, all, and all the economic suggestions, all the economic suggestions need to be thought about as sort of first supporting that effort in some way, and then and then exactly. secondly, preparing the preparing us for the other side. That's right. Especially because the the longer the crisis goes on, the harder it is to 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 keep going through these super expensive super, super uh comprehensive economic programs, right? Like th- this we can do for a few months, but we can't obviously prop up uh 25% of the companies in the and the economy for 5 years. My guest today has been Stan Voiger. Stan, thanks for coming back to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, Jim. 